Welcome to this episode of Lead Sex, where we go over the current trends that will impact society the next decade. If there is something certain in life, death. But most of us avoid speaking about it, like by doing it, it won't happen. In a culture that promotes eternal youth, death is still a taboo that prevails. When it happens to someone close to us, it becomes one of the most traumatic experiences, and most of us are unprepared don't know how to cope with it or even how to legally or bureaucratic deal with it. The same has happened to the funeral service industry. The lack of sexiness and superstition around the matter has kept entrepreneurs, technology and change from happening. And this resulted in outdated and poor experiences, often combined with abusive practices and pricing. All this is changing now with several entrepreneurs and companies entering the space and rethinking the way we deal with death and funeral services. Welcome to FunTech. To speak on how to disrupt the sector, today we have a great conversation with Bjorn Wolf, digitalist, entrepreneur and pioneer of change in the German death industry. Bjorn is founder and managing director of Mimoria, a Berlin-based startup and modern funeral home that has been bringing death out of its dark corner and into the midst of society as a part of life. I am David Bernardo Santo, and I'll be joined today by our student interviewer, Katerina Bolling. We hope you enjoy it. So, Kathy, thank you so much. And Bjorn, thank you so much for your time. The death industry or funeral tech or fun tech uh, is definitely something I've been very interested about in the last few years because there's so much... Um, superstition around it. Uh, usually people are even afraid, in some places they are even afraid of talking about it, but it's in an industry that most of, all, most of us or every one of us will actually use it at some point of our lives. And um, how did you become in, interested in, in this industry? And what was the pain you identified? Well, uh, David, Thanks for having me. And first of all, thanks for being our first fan. Yeah. <laughs> we, had, we hadn't had a funeral tech fanboy yet. Um, great to have one. There you um, go. First one. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not the last one. Um, and it's, uh, it's actually, it's more than one question that you were, ans- that you were um, uh, having there. Um, I well, first of all, that. it's probably, it's, yeah, it's probably, it's the, the funeral industry itself, or let's say the topic itself, death is one of the most unpopular taboo topics that we probably have in, in society, at least in the Western world. And I mean, you're sitting in Mexico, as I, as I figured now, even there, it's, it's already way more open, right? You, you have Dia de los Muertos, you work a little more in the direction it's, that it's a, a more open mind topic. I, I, think, I think it's interesting because there's that image of, uh, of Mexico. It is true in the sense it's far more open than Europe. But also, I would say in terms of the industry, it's still very traditional. Like you have all the folklore around it and all Dia de Muertos. And then you have like, I don't know, James Bond pictures and you have Coco from <laughs> Disney and you have uh, the Book of Life, which are all amazing pictures that depict all these amazing and beautiful, actually, folklore um, about death in Mexico. But actually, the death process of the funeral process, I would say is pretty similar to Europe. Yeah, it's in, in a way similar. It's less just what I see is like 
what we have in the Western world is people don't talk about it. Why? Because I guess they don't have the right momentum to talk about it. Because it's whenever you, you're in a situation to talk about, you're probably you're in the middle of the phase that you have a an ad need case, right? That that someone died and you have to um, you have to take care about it, and then you you have to talk about it, but you really don't want to talk about it. And what I what I figure is it's one of the topics that no one is talking about, but actually everybody has questions about it, and everybody would love to talk about it. And that's great. Three of us we're now talking about it, and for me it's like in the area or in the industry of, of funerals for the last six years. And um, I always have this this small example when I'm when I'm going out like let's say pre-corona uh, you go uh, out for um, uh, for drinks or for a dinner with friends and then there's friends of friends there and then it's this regular you know you you ask the other one hey what do you do what do you do and everybody's like checking out what the other one's doing and then I have two possibilities I can say. I'm an entrepreneur or uh, like I'm in startup, I'm startup business or whatever. And then in Berlin, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, okay, what's the next one doing? <laughs> so no one's really taking care about it. Or I can say I'm a funeral director. And then it's like, oh, wow. Okay, I have a question. It always starts like this. And then for the next hour or so, I got to talk about uh, about everything which they concern. Because in fact, it's like meeting people being a dry sponge. You know, they have tons of questions and like, Finally, they find someone who has the liquid to fill the sponge. Um, It's funny. It's funny because uh, my mom is a sexologist, a gynecologist and specialist in in sexuality. And the same thing exactly happens. It's like she says I'm, what I'm, she I'm, does. I'm, I'm interested how you get it together now, like death and sexuality. But there, no, because it's <laughs> it's those topics that everyone is interested in and people don't don't speak about it. And then like you actually put the topic on the table and yeah. people jump on it. I, I find it funny that uh, about uh, occupations that actually attract a lot of attention. I would never think that yeah. that is the same way. Well, to bring this to a bit more of a serious area, I'd say. We just lost it. We lost the possibility to have death at a, let's say, normal topic or part of life in our society. And that's not a a sophisticated study that I did. But if I see back for the last 100, 200 years or so, we had like two major topics that actually brought us together. The first thing is like that we had like world wars. And even I, my, my grandparents, they were like still confronted with so much death at that time that they simply probably hadn't had enough of death and they just didn't want to talk about it anymore and that was one topic i guess and then is the other like is the enhancement of our of our medicine that people simply don't die at home anymore they die in in hospitals or, or else but just a very smaller part dies at home and i come from a little village in the bavarian hills and uh, for us there, even I was a super small child, it was just normal that people still die at home and that you have like the possibility to see dead people or like, yeah, that it was more of a more of a get together then. And nowadays it's just like if you go out to the streets and probably if you would ask 10 people, nine of them would never have seen a deceased. Now, it, there's something interesting there because, um, and uh, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, and I would love to then to go, I think it's great that we are addressing a little bit the culture and all the the impact of death in our culture. And then we can go a little bit more into the company and the services and the market and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but also like one thing that that I've noticed is that tenetology, which is the support you give to 
to the people that yeah. are dealing with death, let's call it like this, it's actually a service that most people never heard about. So like you have a breakup and uh, you go to a psychologist, you go through therapy, you go through all these things, but death, that is a much more traumatic moment. I would say that less people actually have the psychological support they need, or at least a lot of the people I know that have been through that, they then it's like, no, this is normal. I just have to grieve uh, and that's it. But they don't actually have the psychological support because culturally in a lot of places, it's not even known that it's something that exists. I, I totally agree. Um, for us in a business ca business sense, it's like an after-death service, which we don't integrate in our company as a service simply because we don't have the people for it that are... Uh, Yeah, literally uh, able to fulfill the service. Also, what we then see from customers is that like the need for it um, is probably there, but as you say, it's just people don't really know about it and probably they go to a psychologist at one point in time if they really grieve that hard that they need help there, but it's it's not well known. And what you also have to consider is that the area of people you're facing as a funeral director that are in need of, of a funeral There is all areas of people in there. There's from people who are really grieving. And it's like, sometimes it's like, you also have to like, sometimes it's also hard for yourself if you talk to the people because then you have on the other end, maybe um, or in front of you, you have someone, I don't know, a, a young mother with, with young child and uh, just lost his the father of the child. And then it's, it's really sometimes it's very heartbreaking. But you also have the other area. There are people that say, hey, The one I have to bury is my father, but I never saw this person because uh, he left the family before I even saw the light of the world. And just give me the most, I mean, the most easiest thing that you have and uh, just send me the bill. They don't really grieve. So you have like a wide spectrum of, uh, of people you're actually dealing with. Now, uh, the industry, you have thousands of um, funeral service directors and companies and everything. What was the pain that you identified that you were like, we can do better? And if you tell us a little bit about your process, uh, you just mentioned that you've sure. been working in the industry for six years. How, how was your process like to start yeah. the company and a little bit how you started it? No problem. How many hours do you have? No, just kidding. Let's go. Um, <laughs> actually, when I, I stumbled over the whole industry, or the, like funeral industry, like about six years ago in 2015, I actually was running uh, the marketing of HRS, that's Hotel Reservation Services, like the booking.com of Germany beforehand. And I was working in several other startups uh, beforehand and I had never anything to do with the funeral industry. At that point in time, when I was open-minded and uh, had very open eyes for everything new, because I quit my job uh, not knowing what to do, but I wanted to do some something else and uh, I wanted to start myself. I, we had the father of a friend of us dying and we just saw it from the outside and, and we, yeah, we got some information how it actually all began and what they, what they liked in the process and what they disliked. It's, yeah, it's called a death. And that we had such open eyes that we were like, Hmm, maybe we should dig a little deeper in there. But at that point in time, we also had like some other ideas, which we actually wanted to do. And then, you know, as it is, you have like a ton of ideas, what you want to do. And then you start working it 
uh, deeper and deeper and you look deeper into it and then you see, ah, well, that's not working or market is not big enough or somebody else addressed this already. And the more we thought about it, the, the clearer it became that death is a topic which in, in terms of digitization is still in the 18th century. And we said, well, we, as a friend of mine um, that, I, that I started the company with and me, we came out of digitization and a lot of other business areas. And we we're like, maybe we can make an impact. Um, and then we were digging deeper and deeper into it. And we started the company with addressing the need that we wanted to have a clear customer-centric company, allowing the customer to plan, book, a funeral as they want it from where they want it how they want it that was like the clear idea that we have because till the point that we were that we came to the market you had to go to a funeral director and still it is like it's like this in our society that everybody thinks it has to be like this or like uh, a great part of the people you have to go to a funeral director and sit there and then talk to him and then figure out how the funeral uh, will be and just to give you an idea uh, you only get into the situation that you have to plan a funeral for someone dying around you and you have to plan it every 18 years. So you can actually say every customer has no idea what to do because it's all oh, every 18 years. So either you lost it or you don't have you don't have any idea what to do. So normally what people do nowadays is they either use one of the big search engines <laughs> to figure out what to do. Or they ask family and friends, or at least they go to any funeral director directly. But everybody has in mind, you have to go to a funeral director. And we said, okay, but there are people who, who don't want to do it or who can't because they live abroad, for example. Or as we have like the, we have this change in society that second and third generation is not living at the place where first generation is anymore. So they simply can't be there at the moment when it happens. And then we wanted to build a service that they wouldn't have to think about where they are and how they are um, in which situation they can do it from at home in a surrounding where where they're safe and they can have all the services that they want if they want it so they can have like they can talk to a funeral director from us they can also have like a personal talk afterwards and come to any of our uh, areas but uh, they don't have to they can do it solidly like they want to do it and not like somebody else is thinking they have to do it that's how we started in uh, in the market and that's how we built like the customer facing area of memoria that's how we started we wanted to digitize the, the funeral industry literally first week after because we thought we probably don't need it we had to get a fax machine because <laughs> it didn't work without a fax machine they still exist they still exist and guess what? I guess fifty percent of faxes is from funeral homes. Okay, and, but tell me something. Um, so, my Moria is more like a platform. Nope. You have your own services. You provide yeah, your own services. 100%. Okay, mm -hmm. and how do you do that? Well, that that is a little bit like the question you had before, right? Over the time, the services expanded, so we were never a median who like just, or a lead channel, who just got the lead and then sold it to someone else to do it. We always wanted to be 100% like the company that the, that the people talk to and uh, which will also bring the services into the process. So the only thing that we couldn't do at the, at the beginning was like all the products we could 
get ourselves and like all the services around that you can do from far away we could also do ourselves and we were like the ones talking to the people 100 on the phone then uh, if they needed it but what we hadn't had is we couldn't bring a deceased person from a to b or the hygienic services that you have uh, within the process we couldn't do because we simply haven't been at the spot where it actually happened as well as being at the uh, cemetery for the funeral services that wasn't in our hands because we, we haven't been there. So the first thing that we did is we drove all over Germany for the six for the first six months, and uh, I saw hundreds, and nowadays it's even it's more than the thousands of uh, funeral homes from the inside, and talking to them, discussing that I would like to buy some services from them as a subcontractor, so they should be my subcontractor for uh, for some services, and literally the last mile services that we need the ones which are actually uh, at site uh, and that's how we started and that actually the i mean the positive thing was that we had the quality in our hands and we were always sure that the quality of the old services would work as we also had like we had some processes in place that were helping us to see if a subcontractor also works the way and the quality that we actually wanted uh, wanted from them and if they they didn't uh, meet that quality level at one point in time we had to kick them out and and uh, replace them so in germany just to have you, to give you a little bit of an, an overview we have about six and a half thousand funeral directors for about two and a half thousand deaths per day so there is in a way an over amount of funerals funeral homes so you can actually you can always try to find the better ones we did this the way till 2019 and in 2019, we started also integrating these services in Memoria Group. So we uh, bought our first own cars. Uh, we had teams decentralized that uh, were working with the with these cars all over Germany. And nowadays, we have a decentralized team of cars and funeral directors all over Germany that do the transport services as well as the uh, logistics, you'd call it, uh, as well as like being at the cemetery when the actual uh, funeral is happening okay so that's uh, goes a little that, further but um yeah so far okay kathy i know you have some questions as well and i tend to manipulate <laughs> and monopolize the conversation <laughs> no all good. View, to give you the full view yeah. nowadays nowadays we have also boutiques and funeral homes all over germany so it's like we also have like the local spots nowadays so the expansion is much more is going to be much more expensive in terms that you have uh, physical assets as well. Well, we started uh, we started as funeral tech only company, and uh, nowadays we're a full service provider in all areas. But it's, it's like funeral home consolidating on speed, probably, because we have the digit the digital we had the digital in place before, and then we consolidated. Would you say that like basically the physical part is changing as well? Because like I understand it now, you have like the digital part, which is mostly like the service around it, like planning it and getting there and getting in contact. But the physical part of the actual funeral, is that something that you would say is changing as well? Or is it basically staying the same, but the service around it is getting more digital and, and basically better and more customer oriented? I'd say as in every industry, digital will be the just regular place where you plan a funeral at one point in time. We're not there yet. And it's not the regular place to plan a funeral, but as in every other industry, we'll get there. I'm 100% I'm um, safe of that one. And if you ask me where the funeral service is, 
let's quote a well, let's have an example i guess the we are at in the how to say the pre zalando area so you know you all know zalando you buy your shoes nowadays online they started with shoes let's let's just talk about the shoes before zalando was coming everybody was like oh yeah if, if i have to buy shoes i go online check it out and i find some find uh, shoes that i like i go to the uh, to the local uh, shoe dealer and then i have to try it on because my shoe size is different than others and then i have to find the right one and that's how uh, how it was done at that point in time and then suddenly zalando came and they told us no you don't have to go anywhere you just search for it online you find it here and then you just buy it and get like get it at home and don't worry about like your shoe size you get a 39 40 41 42 all at home and the rest is sent back nowadays our society changed in a way that if we go online and search for shoes we don't think about ah i'm just searching here and then i have to buy somewhere else we're going with like this straight intent to buy it online and the funeral industry is exactly there we have we in society we're still at the point where people simply don't know or don't have it in mind that you can actually buy it online so what they do is and that's what you see, <laughs> see like was all like uh, how google uh, google search queries are going up like every year for everything in this it's like people go there because they need information they are they are like it's like uh, the dry sponge that i said they don't know what to do so they have to find information then they find us and they're like oh wow i can do it online but they're not at the area yet where everyone is like oh yeah easy i came there to do it and buy it there so there it's still dropping and i think over the next so and so much years we will we will see as in every industry that over time digitized that it will be just the normal way just to do it digital the good thing for us is we don't really care as as i said before we want in our world that no matter how no matter where the customer is and how he wants it to have it he can have it so in our small world and idea he can go in our any of our boutiques in hamburg and ask for a quote and talk to our boutique manager there and get it everything for a funeral in munich and while he's like i'm not 100% sure he's going home or he has to go on a trip in between um he can like rearrange everything online because he can have a look at the exact same that he did in the boutique and when he arrives in munich he can go there to a funeral home from us and rearrange if he wants to so we don't really care or the exact opposite you can do it first online then go to go to a boutique or a funeral home in wherever in germany he wants it and we can have the same high service level all over germany that's where we want to come to and that's why we're clearly mixing online and offline and bringing the best of it together how big is the market getting a little bit into numbers uh, in terms of what uh, how, what's the market size for instance in germany and uh, the other question would be are you planning to expand internationally or uh, germany for now 5 billion market average basket is 5.7k euros which you have to say like about three and a half to four is for the funeral director and the other is for the cemetery and uh, we already did our first steps internationally we had a look into austria and switzerland nowadays because we simply also have a limited capacity we're 100% just focusing on germany because it's still so much way to go and such a big market that we first want to conquer germany before we do the exact same than anywhere else 
Kathy? So we talked about the cultural differences in the beginning. Do you think it would be very difficult for your business model to be applied or expanded internationally, especially talking about countries that are maybe not that similar to Germany? Because I can imagine that Switzerland and Austria have been very, very um, attractive for the for the first uh, countries to expand to because of their culture, very similar similar to the German one, also the uh, geographic uh, closeness. Would Actually, that be interesting for... Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. If um, if you see the Western world, it's not so dramatically different. So you see the exact same topics that is that are actually changing the market. The same idea of of how a funeral has to look like. It's more or less the same religions. So if uh, if it's the Western world, so let's say all of Europe and then the United States, Canada, or so, that's more or less the same. The markets itself, they are totally different. Germany is one of the sole loneliest markets which are hyper-fragmented. If you see more or less the rest of uh, of the Western world, they're already pretty cons uh, consolidated. More or less what we do at the moment because we buy funeral homes in a row, consolidate them into our company. If you see market in US, Canada, uh, already in UK, France, Spain, they're is already a high consolidation or it's on the run. That consolidation is, uh, is uh, pretty high. Here in Germany, we have, as I said, about 6,500 funeral homes. About 5,800 of them are with an, a, a yearly revenue less than 500k euros. And the other 400, they are higher than 500k and go up to, uh, at the most, probably 10 million. And then you have one market leader, The one market leader does 64 million euros uh, in revenue yearly. That's about 2.7% of the market. That's how hyper-fragmented this market is. I don't know uh, how public the numbers are, but more or less in what range are you in terms of business size? That's obviously something which we don't communicate, but in what we uh, openly communicated is that in 2023, we'll be market leader. Okay. Oh, great. So that's um, that, okay. That then you're already getting like into the numbers. So uh, that's that's very important because a couple of things. How did you go about fundraising? Because I'm sure, like, first when you go into like uh, several VCs and investors, I know that you have family offices as well. Some people are like, "Whoa, this business, um, interesting." And then when they see the numbers, there are really interesting economics behind it. How was your fundraising? Uh, from what I've read, you already raised 17.2 million euros approximately. On, that's at least a number that's on Crunchbase. Oh. Okay. I just wanted to ask, where did you read it? Yeah, Crunchbase. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's probably not correct because we don't communicate anything. We communicated our last round, which was 15 million. But the ones before, we never communicated the exact amounts. And we already did Series C. So... Yes, that's true. We had some money already into the company. Um, it's uh, obviously, it's probably as in every topic, but especially, it's, it's, uh, well, let's say this industry is a special topic to talk about, also to investors. At the one point, they're all, they're open-minded for everything, which is which has a clear business background, obviously. But then it's a very per personal topic, right? I even had people, investors who invest in everything that said, hey, you know what? Within the last year, I had three people dying around in family. And don't get me wrong, I just I'm just not feeling like talking more about this business. I guess you don't have this if you're in food delivery or in in uh, any other venture capital area. So that sometimes was was that we even had 
we even had like once we had a deal almost closed and wanted to go to notary and then someone from this venture capitalist one of the top executives died like out of the blue and then they said hey don't get us wrong but it's like it's just the wrong time we have to we have to we can't and i was like whoa that probably wouldn't happen to anyone in mobility or or fintech or whatever so that probably happens only to a special case like funeral industry nevertheless how did we do it i mean we we started up with angels believed in the case and you really had to believe because there wasn't anything like us before not even internationally there were some who were as you didn't as you didn't uh, also were thinking at the beginning of our talk who just like were lead generators and then sold the leads so merchants but someone who said uh, hey, we want to have 100% price transparency from the start all over Germany. And we want to uh, have like the service totally in our hands, even if it's just digital, that simply didn't exist. And we also didn't know if it will if it'll work. We had like ideas and obviously we had ideas that worked and we had ideas that didn't work, um, which you always have founder, I guess, especially like the first idea that we have, how we're going to do it, that we had that for about two to four weeks on our website. And it was like, nah, bit too sophisticated for a market yet let's pivot it different differently and i think that's just honestly that's the typical roller coaster that we have i mean i have so many friends who are founders and the ones which you're reading about which where it, where it always goes up i mean that's the ones which you have impressed but the the real basis or like the majority that's the ones who tell you it's always it's a, a constant fight and you, have good times and you have bad times it's the roller coaster yeah yeah if you look back at the six years in business now, would you say you got it right in terms of timing in the German market? You did get the I mean, pandemic. Um, sure, um, we can have a word on the pandemic too. In terms of timing as like the right timing to start this uh, this company or like this kind of service, I'd say yes. So pro uh, you, you could never say, you can never say because the digitization of the market hasn't yet finalized. So I'm not 100% sure if we were at the right time or if one of i mean we were we were a 100 clear first mover because there wasn't anything like this so what's the percentage maybe just to have an idea um what's the percentage of the business in your opinion that is being done uh, online now really really booked online it's about three to four percent okay so if you make a good part of this three to four percent is already a super good business. But if you just do a very small part of it, it's hard to survive, I guess. I'd yeah, say four so percent would good... be something like over over a hundred transactions per day, which is like half a million from your price. It's like uh, six hundred thousand euros, seven hundred thousand euros per day, which is pretty good revenue. <laughs> yeah, we're not at a, we're not at three to four percent yet, but I'd love to. So we're yeah. on a good way. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'd say the timing is now looking back, it's, it was probably the right time. Even if it's, it was a hard time at the beginning because it never worked as fast as we wanted it, you know. But there was nothing as we did before. We had to go to hard times as well as sometimes very good times. Um, but now that now looking back at what we did, we have so much knowledge and we have so much already in the company that from like for the last two years or so, It's just a lot of very good executing that we need because we have most of it in place and we have just to go on and on and on and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. So from that from that idea on, I'd say that 
the timing was good, but you know, we never have guarantee. So we'll see in about 10 years if we, if we had the right timing, but I think we're, we have, we had a good head start. Tell me something about the industry, because it's something that uh, I'm always very curious about. Is there a lack of transparency in the industry? Or uh, one of the issues I've, I've noticed that is there, it's very hard to compare services and it's very easy to oversell, under-deliver. You had like scandals in, um, in Spain, for instance, that people were selling the caskets for crematorium and then they would, since you don't see actually the casket going inside, they would take the casket resell which is really expensive i believe a casket is over a thousand i heard it all yeah yeah so <laughs> it's it's a weird industry in that sense no there's there since you have so many small players there has been a lack of consistency and ability to compare i think i don't know like um some international players like you have beyond that life for instance i think they're trying to work a little bit on that in the uk what's your take what how how is it the industry traditionally like I mean, if you would ask one of the associations, they'd probably say, no, no, it's totally transparent. But so do the taxi the associations <laughs> when Uber came in? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it, that was one of the major points why we actually hit it the industry, because there was no transparency, no transparency at all, not in price, not in service. We did mystery shopping at the beginning, my partner and me. So how do you do mystery shopping? We did Ching Ching Chong. And we said, uh, who, who's the one who's... Uh, mother died or anything and then we went into into funeral homes and did mystery shopping how do we get a quote and whatever and you had everything you know and it and it really also depended on how we looked like if we came in a t-shirt it was sometimes a lower price than uh, when we came in a in a shirt or dress up or whatever uh, in the same city in you know in, in different neighborhoods so we had everything and over the years of the six years i'd say i also i've seen everything i saw from these six and a half thousand that we have way over a thousand that I saw from the inside. And there is there are shiny examples, but not a lot. When we started the, the company, before I even before we actually even started it, the grandma of my wife died. And uh, my mother and father-in-law, they knew about the idea that that uh, what I wanted to do. Uh, and I was asking them, hey, can I join you to like, The preparations with the funeral director and they were like yeah sure uh, and then i was like coming along and sitting there with them and and uh, other uncles and uh, and aunties from from my wife and i was sitting back row and was just taking notes and they were like discussing everything and then yeah this basket and this urn and uh, this service and so on and so forth and it was actually pretty good service in my eyes um i liked how they communicated with everything and, and everything was cleared and uh, also date was fixed already and how it got how it had to get went further and then we went outside and uh, we walked into the the parking alley and they were like they were like and that was pretty nice of them they were like hey Bjorn, did it help you is there any questions that you have and so how 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 do you how, what do you think how was it and i was like hey super super much thanks that i that i could like have like a back seat and then Um, just see what, what happened there and um, also good that you like signed like the documents there and then now you have a contract there that how you're going to do with them and then I was like hey I just have one question how much is it and they were like oh, yeah we didn't talk about it right we just signed <laughs> and that was a momentum for me that was like one of the momentums where I said okay gotta change this this is not at all how we in digitized solutions and uh 
uh, our society normally works. We know what the price is. We don't just sign. Actually, um, I've seen that. It's funny because I've had the same question in my in my family. Some the same thing happened with a with a grandparent, and I asked, uh, "Oh, they were great, excellent service." I was like, "How much is going to cost?" It's like we didn't ask. I was like, "You didn't ask?" It's like, no, they were taking care of everything. They were so nice, and it was. I was like, and. And I have uh, another friend actually that uh, that was on the conversation. She was like, "Yeah, by not asking, I got thirteen thousand euros." Um, and it's like but she could afford it, but most families, like uh, for instance, they can't. At least yeah. like they can't. And um, and it's funny uh, because another friend that uh, runs a fintech, he said uh, a lot of the most the credits that are like immediate credit where you pay like really high interest rates, like in Mexico, can you? talking about 40-50% per year. It's uh, it's really high. And he said it was for funeral services because families could not afford it. So I believe there's a really interesting financial uh, service that I don't know if you're addressing already or not. Well, we do address I mean, the, the two services that we actually have. I mean, it's, it's both around funeral, but it's like we either have solutions for an at need case. So really someone died and you have to do it now. And we do also pre-arrangements or pre-need if you want to. Um, so if you want to pre-arrange your funeral for the letter, then you can re- pre-arrange this on our website. Pre-arrange everything which you want. We even have a letter service so that you can um, send letters to people that you want to send letters afterwards, which we don't read. It's just like a service. It's, it's there in the cloud. We never, we never uh, can have a look at it. And the moment you die, um, it's an automated service that um, you send this letter. So if you want to tell anyone, you were a real dickhead. I never, I never was able to tell you, but now I am. <laughs> you could do it via our service. And what's and, the percentage uh, in terms of businesses? Like because that I think changes really a lot country by country. I know that a country like uh, Portugal is like uh, death insurance uh, or death. Oh, now you're mixing plans, up pre-plans. Now you're mixing up. You do you do the financial service. I'm talking about like pre-arrangement. Yeah, uh, pre-arrangement but, uh, can be with financial arrangement, but don't has to be. Just pre-arrangement. How shall the plain, simple funeral be that you can do for free on our website, so that we know what your last will is, and then we also ask okay. you for who's your who's your nearest person who should know about it, so that we that we uh, send them emails and tell them, hey, if anything happens, here's here's the last will if you want to say for the funeral. Um, so here he said everything on, um, he or she said everything on how the funeral should be. What you also can do is financial service for it so that you actually yeah. prearrange the finances for it. And that's obviously a service. So that's why if you ask what's the percentage in, in business, one, one is the order book for us if you want to, because we don't charge for it. And mm-hmm. the real funeral is where we do our business. But if you ask me from a, not business, but from a, really human point of view even in my eyes even more valuable service is giving the possibility that people really prearrange their services why is this because if you talk to the ones who just lost their father their mother I mean, they don't want to go to a funeral home and say, hey, I love this basket and oh, it's so great this urn and uh, I need these flowers they just want to say goodbye, you know. And if you take your family, if you take 
this high burden that they have to do this commodity and you arranged everything that is way more important in my eyes than financial. If you do financial on top, perfect. But how often did we, did I see it or do I see and did, do we see here people who just, they never talked about it in their families. They don't know if they want a burial or a cremation. They don't know anything about it. And there's so much, they're in this hassle when someone died that they have to give all these answers to questions that they never had before, which they wouldn't have to if the person would have prearranged. That is really interesting. And that I think it's very cultural. I can tell you, for instance, uh, from some Absolutely. numbers I've seen, like in Spain, I think, actually it changes from country to country. I think 60% of people have insurance in Spain, for instance. In Portugal, the UK is also very high. Yeah. Germany, it's super low. Yeah. In Portugal as well, like they launched like, um, I, and then you have two things. You have the financial uh, prearrangement that you can do or that you pay in installments. You also have death insurance. You launched this in Portugal. And at the time it was a fiasco because it's like, hey, by talking about it and dealing with it, I'm actually attracting it to me. So I don't want to, uh, I don't want to talk about it. And I think it really goes into, and, and it's a very philosophical question, and you have a lot of philosophers talking about it, which no, is... No, they don't talk about it. Exactly. It's mortality. No, but you have like, hey, we know it's going to happen, but we avoid speaking about it. And it's like, oh, when it happens, it happens that my family deal with it. It's, it's their obligation, but it's, it's a really big yeah, burden on the family. Yeah, but isn't this like, if you say this, you know, you know I don't really care what's happening. Uh, my family can deal with it. Isn't this like the most selfish thing you can say? Oh, uh, I, I really I really like the idea of uh, organizing a big party for when I die. It's like, come on, I don't want like this whole thing. It's just like celebrate life. It's like, I'll pay for it. If that's great. If that's the case. I'll pay for it. Just enjoy yourselves. Maybe it's not the best way for you to mourn, but for you to remember me in like these like weird situation and it's just like dad like it's like no just like celebrate life i think but it, but it's a very i think unique not unique but it's not as generalized because i think most people still are afraid of uh, and i think there's a lot of inner work when when you uh, try to understand not understand to accept that i don't think you're ever ever comfortable with it but how do you accept death as a human being and actually in dealing with it. So there's a lot of education that I believe has to be done uh, for people to, to deal a little better with, with these type of services as well. And that's why I think there's such a, an important social impact that your business has, uh, because it's dealing with, um, I'd say it's making hard moments a little less hard if you do it properly. David, you just mentioned education, and I'm wondering, uh, Bjorn, um, how do you see your role as a business in terms of that education happening? Like, do you actively go out and try to like target younger customers as well, starting campaigns and sending out out like actual messages and trying to push that like movement in in, in like German society right now, or would you rather say that you follow a more uh, reactive approach on that? Yeah, that's a it's a very good question. It's like we. We are very proactive, I'd say. We communicate on the edge and we always communicate. That's why also I'm so thankful that you know, we, the three of us were talking now about the topic again, because you will hear me always talk about it. We even have a hashtag, we talk about it, or a German, uh, wir sprechen drüber. 
and you'll find everything on the topic from us everywhere. In terms of advertising, we also try to communicate on the edge because, you know, if I would do advertising and it would like it would be out of home, like billboards or so, and you would communicate, hey, pre-arrangement is important. You should go on memoria.de now. Then it would be like, you know, then people would be like the horses with the blinders. They would be like, oh, I didn't see it. I'm never, I'll never have any attention to it. Uh, so what we do is like we try to be a bit more, say, edgy maybe and communicate differently so that we get the attraction so that people really, really, really discuss it. So, for example, some years ago, I don't know if you know about Cologne and Dusseldorf. It's like they're right next to each other, but they like it's like it's like in it's like in soccer, you know, like they hate each other in a way. So like they'd say, ah, oh, you know, the Düsseldorfers and the Colonists say, uh, the Colonists say the Düsseldorfers and the Düsseldorfers, the Colonists or whatever. So what we did is like we did billboards and we got this from from real German statistics, how often someone in Düsseldorf or in in uh, Cologne dies. And then what we did is we had like billboards in Cologne stating, hey, every three minutes a Düsseldorfer dies. And in, in Cologne, we said, hey, every three minutes a Cologne guy dies. <laughs> You know, and was like, how can you do this? How can you communicate like this? And the only thing we, we said is like, was the simple truth, because it was by statistics, it's just like this. And we said, hey, every three minutes, a little of dies, you should think about prearrangements, you know. Um, but it was all over the press. And by these simple ideas and ways, we tried to bring the topic more into the focus of society again, so that it's, it's a majorly important topic. And also with a pretty simple sense of humor, yeah. Let's keep it that way. Also to tell them, hey, it's okay if you talk about it. You know, it has it hasn't got to be a taboo. We're always talking about it and it didn't hurt us yet. That that's an that's a really interesting uh communication because there there are a lot of different communication strategies I've seen. I remember here in Mexico um there was one that I don't know it's just I, I like the, the the funny approach. I've seen in the UK, they've used it a lot. Uh, you have, I think, the funny approach. Then you have uh, the um, a little bit like the virgin approach as well. Like uh, I would, wait, wait, I have to, I have to, I have to get into it. I wouldn't call it a fun approach. It's, it's an approach where you call directly, openly, and the truth to make people focus on the topic. Give you another example. When, the pandemic, uh, now we're uh, getting to, to the pandemic maybe, uh, when the pande uh, pandemic approached and we had like this protest, this QNNs, whatever it was, on the streets here in Berlin, we booked one of drivable out-of-home billboards and we had like a, we had like a visual, it was like a desk, yeah, a scarf with an alu, uh, aluminum hat, you know? Yeah. Um, and we said like, and we we, we uh, overlined it was dear QNNs, dear whatever, like what's happening there. See you soon. <laughs> and then uh, with like Memoria underneath. It was, you would call it a fun approach. We wanted to have like a statement because we had like people dying by Corona, by COVID every day in our cooling alleys. You know, we had them everywhere. So we wanted to make these people bright clear that they're maybe on the wrong path. So we approached it in a fun way, maybe, but it was also a political statement. 
No, I think I think the the fun. I, I actually like humor in most things. I'm a big fan of South Park, and I'm a big fan of dark humor. And I think like dark humor actually. I think, for instance, one of the only good critiques in the U.S. is actually South Park, and they go after every single race, believe everything. There's no discrimination there, like you have in there. He is again, places. yeah, David the fanboy. There you go. And uh, and uh, I really like that approach of the humor part. Then I, you have also uh, an approach of antagonistic in terms of, hey, you know what? Uh, a lot of people have been taking advantage of you. Uh, the traditional funeral services, they've been doing, they've been ripping you off for as long as uh, we can remember. And they go a little bit against the traditional industry. And then I think you have... The traditional services, uh, or what I've, and, and I've actually spoken uh, with the CEO of a funeral service company. I was like, why do you guys try to be like Pepsi? Like, enjoy life, live life. And then I was like, why are you putting like a billboard with the guy climbing and saying like, I'm a funeral service here. The guy's climbing. Are you like praying for the guy to fall from the rock and die? Like, so that you can have a client? Like, What's the point? Because I don't really understand. It's like, you're not Pepsi, like live life to the fullest, whatever. You're a funeral service company. And he was like, no, because we did some market research and people do not want to hear about death. And I think that is changing as well if you take more this uh, humor approach. And what I believe they try to do in terms of communication, because it's not something that I think in most cases you go and you see, oh, there's a billboard. Let me buy my funeral. Oh, there's the billboard. Let me, someone in my family will die. No, I think what they try to be is like top of mind so that whenever the situation happens, you are the first one they call. And now, well, and how you mentioned before, and now that you're going into the whole aspect of now, if I have to need, if I, um, if I, something happens to me, I'll Google the solution, the, the communication changes because you want to be like probably more than top of mind, you want to be like top of uh, the search results. Yeah, two or three topics on that. It's like, I think a humoristic approach doesn't have to be cynical, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, that's one part of this. The other is like when you say, like, he was asking uh, market research and people want like someone who climbs the hill or whatever. It's like, it's such a different topic. And especially if it comes to digitization, because no one did it before that market research in my eyes only works for zones of force or it's it's a little bit like i mean if if i if i told like my first agent so hey we're going to digitize this this and that and they were like yeah but do people want it and people don't know about it and so on and that's why a lot of people didn't also invest in memoria but it's like it's probably like henry ford said you know if he he once said like if i would have asked the people what they want they would want it to have a faster horse faster horse <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's just like sometimes you have to you can't innovate if you just do like what it's safe so you have to go a step further perfect Kathy so when you want to go one step further and you saw the pandemic happening obviously no one could foresee that something like that would like happen in society what did that change for your business and like apart from the marketing campaign that we just talked about like Did you change anything about it? Like, was there anything that significantly changed your business? 
Well, I have to say we were in the very comfortable situation that for us as a company, it was totally normal to work wherever we are. So like nowadays, everybody's talking like, uh, talking about home office and you have to have home office and whatever. It was just a regular thing for us. I mean, we didn't do it to the extent that everybody was 100% in home office, but whenever somebody wanted to work from at home, even the funeral director who works on the telephone for us, not a big deal. Even as we talk, David, we have we have one of our funeral directors in Mexico. He's there for half a year, enjoying, enjoying life in Mexico and working evening and night shifts for us on the phone. It works easily. So for us, we very early, because we, we didn't know what, what would come up in March last year, we very, very early told like our whole office, hey, we're shutting down, just go home and work from home. And everything which you need at home, which you don't have, uh, we'll send you or Amazon will send you. That will, won't be a problem. And we just worked on. So from the business point of view, in terms of internally, nothing changed in a way. Except of we had to we had to deal a lot with culture obviously because we not always have been together uh, we always have to been together in a digital way and not so much face to face anymore the funerals itself they changed in the way that you had less less people at the actual day of funeral so or even none for a while or that we eat we sometimes we did we got like the funeral that we should do in March and then we waited months later so that we could do like the we had the cremation in between but then we did the, the actual service we did later on so that we could allow these people still to have like a funeral ceremony but then later when it was able when we were able again um, on the cemetery in terms of business obviously for us it was super easy because we had like all this digital in place so people who didn't want to go to a funeral director anymore to discuss how a funeral should be from anywhere they could just work with our solution. We even, at one point in time, we um, offered all of the funeral homes in Germany an ID link so that they have a personal link of the memorial website and they could use this for their, for their, for like planning a funeral for their customers so that they could use it at home and we would give them the, the, comp uh, the customer totally for free so that just they wouldn't have to do it in a in a funeral home if they that's a lot of there. that's a lot of great data collection <laughs> that's how you would call it we really wanted to help no no no, I, no, no. I, I see i see i see both i see both there's there was definitely it's it's uh also the price of convenience and of not having digitalized first so i don't i'm not putting it in a in a bad way at all i think it's a great service but there's also a great data collection there. absolutely one word on excess mortality or over mortality that we that like was always like talked about in in press and from uh, all of the politicians in germany if you saw 2020 first half year which was like three months no corona three months corona and you would and you saw the like the, the mortality First half year 2020, 2019 against 2020 with Corona, it was less. So there was no excess mortality. The only months with, with huge excess mortality actually came in uh, December 2020 and then January, February 2021. So that was like the ones, but in between, uh, even is, especially in, in summer last year, you could go out to the morticians and they were like, damn, I have nothing to do. You know, in the middle of the pandemic, because they were like, yeah, everybody is like, like all the operations in the, they were like rescheduled to later 
all the uh, everybody is running around with a mask you know you don't have any bacteria anymore and so on and so forth and then it's also summer so I mean, it's a it's a bit of a seasonal business so in summer it's anyways less so there were really people funeral business who had tremendously less and less summer then it happened to be more in the winter time but overall it was not so much in germany and for us just looking at memoria for us it was an ongoing good business obviously because we had like everything digital in place so i wouldn't call myself a winner of pandemic but we were well situated in digital services that we had in place Bjorn, it's been such a fascinating conversation. We know we and have we could another... go on and on. Oh, I'd love to. I, but we have now, uh, uh, you're, we're getting to the end of uh, the time you have available. And I would love to continue this in a future podcast. We just have one final question for you. Kathy? Yeah, so uh, let's say you're a market leader in 2023. That's what we talked about in the beginning. And we saw a lot of like the speed of change has increased over the last years as well. So if we were to record this podcast again in let's say 2025, like what would have changed where you're standing? From a hoping point of view, I hope that we communicated that much that it is more normal in our society to talk about death and to book a funeral online. From a realistic point of view where I think that business will be is that we have like a Uh, well-known brand all over Germany in place and that we're getting to the way that you don't have a hyper-fragmented market of thousands of small mar uh, brands, but like that people know uh, if I want to have a good good uh, funeral, I can go to Memoria and doesn't matter where it is, they're everywhere. Perfect. Bjorn, thank you so, so much for your time. It's fascinating and I would love to follow up maybe on the next season of the podcast to understand how things are changing. I think it's such a great case for digital transformation and disrupting like a very traditional sector. So congratulations on the amazing job. And Kathy, thank you so much for interviewing uh, with me here at LeadSex. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was a great pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. This is it for this week's episode. Join us next week on Litsack's podcast to understand what's coming in the luxury sector with Mar Roche. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You may reach out to us for commenting, giving suggestions, or just say hi by email x at leadsadventures.com Twitter and Instagram at Leeds Adventures and LinkedIn, Leeds Adventures. Leeds is L-I-T-S and stands for Life is Too Short. Leeds Next Podcast is a result of the teamwork between Beatriz Sosa, Janos Geyer, Lydian Marie Friedrich, Sigurd Koltz and David Bernardo Santo. Please remember that more than providing answers, Lead Sex Podcast aims to raise awareness and questions about topics that are becoming relevant and discussed in society. The podcast reflects the personal views of each of its participants and not any institutions. It's not in any way meant to give investment, health, medical, or any other type of advice. Many of the topics addressed are still not fully tested, confirmed, or approved, so please question everything you hear and exercise extreme caution.